And I love hearing stories. I love hearing people's stories, particularly people's stories about how they encountered Jesus, um, like James. And, uh, you know, you get to hear a little bit about, more about them, uh, who they are, but also a bit more about God and who he is. And I didn't grow up going to church. Um, when I was 15, a trainee vicar from Oxford came into my school, and uh, although I had heard about Jesus, people talking about Jesus. I'd never really heard someone talk about their experience of him. And this guy, who uh, we'll refer to as John, mainly because that actually was his name, and um, he basically was sharing his encounter with Jesus. And it really made me listen. And as a result, one Saturday night I prayed and I said, God, if you're there, if this is all real, if it's relevant to me at all, then show me. And um, the next day was Sunday, again, not unusual, following a Saturday. And uh, I was doing my homework, and I remember sitting, doing my homework, listening to the music and, uh, that was on the radio. It was the chart show, so it was way back then when you didn't have, a, you didn't have Spotify. You couldn't just choose whatever tracks you wanted. You just listened to whatever they played. So um, there was this song that was on the radio, and it was by a band called Banderas. Now, I don't know if there's anybody who is old enough to even remember... Okay, feel fame. Um, <laughs> to remember this. So for your pleasure, from 1991, take a look. Look at this. very welcome. And uh, I know you can find out the rest of the song and look at a few more oversized coats at your leisure on, uh, from that video. But at 15 years old, I just thought, wow, that is actually pretty deep, those lyrics. You know, this is not a story, this is not a book, this is your life. And actually at that point, I remember thinking, gosh, this would be a really good song to sing in church. And remember at the time, I wasn't even going to church. So I was all very happy giving the church ideas about how they might actually connect and get in touch with the youth, you know. And uh, I know, I'm so sorry I just did that. That's like hugely embarrassing, isn't it? Anyone who's actually under age of 20 is just like, oh my gosh. Um, anyway, but I was thinking this would be a really good one to sing in church, to connect with non-churchgoers. And um, anyway, that evening, I plucked up courage to go to the um, church youth group that this guy, John, had invited me to. So I went along. And towards the end of the evening, 
And John started giving what he called words of knowledge. And uh, he explained that these were things that he felt like God was speaking to him about that he wouldn't otherwise have known. And firstly, this interested me. One, because I thought it was interesting that God would speak. And secondly, that he would speak in this way. And as John gave these words of knowledge, different people in the room started to respond and sort of say, oh, yeah, that's me. And I noticed um, some were so moved that they actually even just gently started crying. And... um, in a good way, as they encountered Jesus and as they experienced his love through his Holy Spirit. And then John said, you know, I think there's somebody here that wants to sing in church. And at this point, because we all had our eyes closed, we had our hands out, but you know, this is a new environment for me, so I always was a bit like, you know, it's foreign land, always keep an eye out. Don't, do you know what I mean? It's an unusual environment. Just keep one eye open because you don't know what, keep your wits about you peeps. You know, it's a new, it's a new environment, I wasn't quite sure. So I had my eye open, just sort of looking around thinking, who's going to respond to this? Nobody responded. And if I'm really honest, I just thought, don't worry about it, John, you've had a good run, can't get them all right. And uh, that was it, that was pretty much the end of the, uh, that was the end of the evening. But on Monday, as I woke up, it wasn't like this gradual stirring how I would normally wake up in the morning. It was like this sudden, abrupt, literal awakening from a real physical you know, I was fast asleep, and then I went to fast, wide awake, but also a spiritual sense, a spiritual awakening. And it was in that moment that it was like God joined all the dots, the dots of me um, praying that prayer on that Saturday night, just thinking about God sort of, you know, in that song about singing in church. And then this word of knowledge that at that time didn't even seem relevant to me. And yet it was in that moment on the Monday morning, and alongside feeling instantly filled with the Holy Spirit, instantly filled with this sense of joy, this incredible sense of love, and just being known. And it all happened in one instant. And my natural reaction was to tell someone. I jumped down off my bunk bed. I was top bunk. Jumped down off my bunk bed, and I picked up the phone to call someone to tell them, what had happened, that I had encountered Jesus. And that's what happened with the woman at the well in this story. Jesus wants to get from Judea to Galilee. And there was this um, established, very traditional route that Jews took for that journey so they could actually avoid going through Samaria. And the animosity and the bad feeling between the Jews and the Samaritans was such an issue, it was so intense, that normally Jews would take that long road round rather than going the quicker way directly through Samaria. And in chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus says that he had to pass through Samaria. And that really interests me, why he had to go. Did he have to go through there? Why is he saying he had to take a shortcut? Was it because he uh, was running out of time, he was running late, he had a meeting in Galilee that he needed to get to? I don't think that is the case. If you look further down in the Bible, in in, uh, uh, verse 40, it says that he stayed two more days um, in Samaria. So I don't think it was that he had to go because he was trying to... um, you know, save time. I think Jesus had to go to Samaria because he was prompted by the Holy Spirit for an important meeting there, the woman at the well. And this story is clear that this woman was, she was far from important in the eyes of her own community. In fact, she was isolated and she was ostracized. She was marked out as immoral, not as important. Because women would get, women would get their water at the coolest parts of the day, either early in the morning or late at night, and they would always go together. It was like the social thing to do. They would always go together in a group. So it was significant that she was there at that hour and by herself. 
She was alone because her lifestyle choices had made her an outcast to her own people. She was looked down upon, and she would rather do the necessity of collecting water at the hottest part of the day on her own than face her daily shame in the reflection of her own community. So she arrives at the well, Jesus is there waiting, and he asks her for a drink. And her response is pretty direct. I think if she'd done Myers-Briggs, she'd probably be a T. And uh, she says in verse 9, You're a Jew, I am a Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? So we know that Jews and Samaritans didn't engage in conversation. And also in that culture, a man and a woman, um, a man wouldn't speak to a woman in public unless her husband was present. So the combination of a Samaritan, of a woman, and someone with her story was a massive no-go for Jesus, for a Jewish man like Jesus. Except Jesus is different. He's different, and he ignores the rules of society. He breaks down the cultural barriers, and he starts a conversation, initially about everyday water, then he talks about abundant life, and then he talks about everlasting life. In just a few exchanges. And then Jesus asks her to go and call her husband, which seems, in a way, a, real, a really strange shift, a real um, adjustment in the conversation. They're talking about life, and then he says, go and call your husband. I'm sort of reading that thinking, is Jesus thinking, oh gosh, I've just realized this is highly inappropriate. Uh, I should go and ask your husband to be along, to come, to come, you know, what was Jesus actually getting at? I think it was a word of knowledge. I think it seems to me that Jesus, in that moment, in that conversation, engaging with her, wanted to get to the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter was her heart, where she was at. Her heart had taken a battering from her history. She'd had five husbands, and the man that she was now with was not her husband. There is, is sadness and there's shame wrapped around all her relationships, both past and present. And Jesus simply revealed that he knew exactly who she was. He knew her story, and still he invites her into a new one, his story, a story of forgiveness, a story of acceptance, a story of friendship and unconditional love. And friendship is to be known, isn't it? Friendship is to know someone and to be known. And I think it takes time. It takes time and it takes effort, doesn't it, to really get to know one another. And that's why we want to encourage every single one of you to join a group, to have some connection with people where you feel like you can be known and you can know others. And I also think it takes courage and vulnerability to be properly known. I don't know if you've seen the 2017 film called The Circle, starring Tom Hanks and Emma Watson. And it's about um, a woman who lands this dream job in a powerful tech company, only to uncover a corrupt agenda that will affect the lives of all humanity. You know, that kind of vibe. And it's set in a social media world of compulsive oversharing. And the company boss, played by Tom Hanks, he delivers this TED-style talk um, and this speech, and he sort of says, knowing is good, knowing everything is better, to which he gets rapturous applause from the arena. And Emma Watson's character, called May, she agrees to wear this small camera that exposes the entirety of her life to the entire world. And she's hailed as a hero by her colleagues for going, as they term it, fully transparent. May is going fully transparent. And inevitably, this kind of social media transparency, without any boundaries, without any privacy, has a really detrimental effect on her relationships. But I just think, do you ever find yourself 
thinking, gosh, if people really knew everything about me, gosh, that, does that feel terrifying, the thought of being like fully transparent. Everything, all my fears, all my shame. And do you feel like that, that, that sort of being that known, um, how that would make you feel? that would result in rejection and having a negative effect on your relationships. Now, our circumstances might not be the same as the woman at the well, but I wonder whether there are elements that you might be able to relate to. I know I can. Before God, the truth is we're all transparent. And still, when he knows our story, when he knows everything, he waits for us and he wants to meet with us And he wants to offer to us forgiveness, acceptance, friendship, unconditional love, hope, abundant and everlasting life. Jesus, in this conversation, he highlights the Samaritan woman's past so that he could illuminate her future. And he speaks of a promise that she need never thirst again. And Jesus, whilst hanging on the cross himself just before he died in John 19, he says, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Jesus took our thirst so that we don't have to. And I don't know about you, but I often feel like we can be caught looking in the wrong places to quench our thirst. I don't, does anybody like Jaffa cakes in here? I'm actually, I'm quite a big fan. It's very dark out there. Raise your hands if you like Jaffa cakes. Do you know what? There's a deal on at Sainsbury's. It's actually cheaper to buy a, a double pack, a twin pack, than it is to buy one or other. But um, who, who fancies a little, little snack? Let me, see how, let me see how I can go without actually taking someone's eye out. It's going to be, say more about my throw than it is who actually wants it. Whatever this side. There we go. And um, uh, Now, I'm a bit disappointed. I have to say that uh, at the, they've cut down. If you're actually a fan of Jaffa Cakes, you'll know that there's no longer 12 in a pack. They've actually cheated us. There's only 10 in a pack at the moment. And, uh, but on occasions, I just think, oh, I fancy a Jaffa Cake. Then I eat one. Then I eat two. Then I eat 10. And then I get to, you know, when back in the days, the good old days of 12 in a pack, and then I think, gosh, um, there's two left. Firstly, that's messy. Secondly, if the rest of my family know that I've eaten 10 and I've not shared any, that's not going to go down so well. And so what I do is I persevere. And I think that's a really godly character, so I push on through. And, uh, and I finish the lot. And then it's some, one day it dawned on me I'm not actually a massive fan of Jaffa Cakes. I think what I was after is like that tiny, tiny little slither of orange in the middle that gives you the most minimal refreshment. And I was thinking, I'm not actually hungry. I'm actually thirsty. Now, I know that is a trivial example of satisfying your thirst with the wrong things. I I didn't really need Jaffa Cakes. What I needed was a glass of water. But sometimes we can easily attempt to quench our spiritual thirst, our thirst for God, with the wrong thing. Where do you go to quench your thirst? Where do you go to find fulfillment? What are the avenues, the roads that you go down on? Maybe it's in your work. Maybe it's sex. Maybe it's shopping. Maybe it's relationships, like the woman at the well. And all these things are good in the right place. But none of them alone will satisfy Because Jesus says, I am the source of life. He not only satisfies our our thirst, but he fills us to overflowing. 
And that's exactly what the woman at the well discovered. And as a result, she went back and she shared her story. She says in verse 39, Come and see a man who knew all about the things I did, who knows me inside and out, fully transparent. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And she was just honest and open. They didn't come to Jesus because she entered into this theological debate They came to Jesus because she simply shared her story. She simply shared her her experience. In verse 39, it says, Many of the Samaritans from that village committed themselves to him because of the woman's witness. He knew all about the things I did. He knows me inside and out. The woman went from shameful to hopeful. She went from isolated to connected. She went from ostracized to evangelized her entire community. She could never have anticipated the impact that sharing her story would have. And we might never really fully impact the difference and the, you know, what our, sharing our story might have with someone uh, you know, when we get the opportunity. There was one time at the school gate, I met this lady, I hadn't met her before, and um, we just got chatting, and she asked me what I did, and I said, I work for the church. And she said, oh, have you heard of Alpha? And I said, oh, yes, I have, actually. And... Um, She went on to say how she'd been impacted by this other lady who shared her story, the fact that she was a Christian, and had told her about Alpha. And then she said, have you ever done Alpha? I said, yeah, I have, I have actually, I have done Alpha. And then she said, do you think I should do Alpha? I was like, yeah, give it, give it a go. What's your number? You know, you know. I was like, yeah, give it a go. And then my friend Mark comes over, and uh, she goes straight to him, and she says, have you ever done Alpha? And he said, yes, I have. And then basically he shares his story in about 50 seconds flat, which I thought was brilliant. And you're probably thinking the same thing too. Come on, Emily, make it quicker. Um, but she said, you know, okay, I think I'll sign up. Now, this conversation was all on, off the back of a conversation that someone else had who shared their story. And that woman, that lady, might never know the impact of her sharing her story with this other lady. And I just wonder, you know, for us, what are the things that stop us? What stops us sharing our story? I wonder, firstly, is it lack of conversations? I know for me, working for a church, someone sort of says, what do you do, work for a church? It either kills the conversation, and they just walk away and give you a wide berth, or it opens it up, and they say, tell me a little bit more about that. You know, for for you, what is it for you? Maybe it's even turning up to church on a Sunday? Do you just admit that, you know, when you're talking to your friends, when you're back at school, at college, university, or when you're at work with your neighbors at the school gate, and they say, what did you do over the weekend? Do you just admit the bit about coming to church? I don't know. Is it, secondly, the lack of conviction that your story's actually worth sharing? Maybe you feel like, my story isn't like the woman at the well. My story isn't sort of dramatic at all, and perhaps your story is more of a gradual encounter with Jesus, a gradual realization that he knows you, that he loves you. But the thing is, our stories, it's a continual one. It's always a continual one. And I'd love to encourage, you know, maybe it's sharing um, an answer to prayer. Maybe it's talking about experiencing peace, talking about God's faithfulness to you in your life. Thirdly, what stops us from sharing our story? Maybe it's a lack of confidence. Maybe you think, what if, what if they reject me? What if people reject you? And they might. But Paul says in 2 Timothy 8, do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. And in Romans 1, 
Verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. But they might not reject you at all. Your story might be a trigger for transformation. For them, for their family, for their community, for generations to come, just like the Samaritan woman. Or fourthly, what stops us sharing our story? Is it a lack of compulsion? Is it that it doesn't really cross your mind? I was once talking to this guy a few years ago, and he said, oh, I'm, I'm helping on our local Alpha course. I said, oh, that's brilliant. Who are you going to invite? He said, oh, no. No, I don't invite anyone. The team do that. I was like, no, you've totally missed it. There is no team that does that. You know, here at St. Mark's, Marcus Hart organizes um, Alpha, but he doesn't invite everyone. He invites some people. The team don't do that. That's us. Research suggests that most people come to Alpha because they've been invited by someone. A bit like James says, you might see the buses that go past with Alpha on or the billboards, but actually it's that personal invitation is so often the way where people just go, actually, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come. One Saturday morning, I was driving back from one of my son's football games, and I was giving the manager a lift home. His name was James. And as we were chatting, he said, oh, so what have you got going on for the rest of the day? And I said, oh, actually, I'm speaking at church tomorrow, so I need to finish off my talk. And uh, then James said, oh, what are you speaking on? I said, oh, I'm speaking on the Samaritan woman. And he said, oh, is that, is that the one about the good Samaritan? I said, oh, no, no, it's a slightly different one. And he said, oh, okay, well, what's that story about? I thought, oh, um, all right, I'll give you a little dry run, run through of my talk, what I've got so far. Very helpful, very thoughtful, good way of using time. And so I told him, I said, oh, it's about this woman. She had, you know, quite a history. She was ostracized from her community, but Jesus comes along and he steps over every cultural barrier and he reaches in and he basically says, I see you, I know you, I love you, and invites into everlasting, you know, relationship with him. So, all right, okay. And then, uh, and, then he's, and I said, Alpha's starting up in a few days' time. Have you ever heard of Alpha? And he says, no, what's that about? So I said, oh, Alpha's a place where you can come and ask big questions about faith, about hope, about meaning, about purpose. So I all right, okay. Oh, so Emily, if, if, um, if you didn't used to go to church, why did you start going to church? And I was like, is this for real? So I said, um, all right. So I basically gave him my testimony. And I'm saying it to you in a bit of a blasé way right now, because at the time I'm driving along thinking, oh my gosh, I don't quite know how to say this. Um, I was kind of taken aback and surprised that he was actually continually interested. What is that Bible story about? What is Alpha about? Well, tell me about your story. And um, I must admit, the traffic was terrible. So poor guy, he probably just thought, gosh, I can't get out of here. And uh, and then I did worry as I dropped him off afterwards, thinking, gosh, it's, we've got quite a long way to the end of the season. We'll, we'll, we'll see how we actually ever get picked to play, bless him. Um, he might be just thinking, avoid that woman. <laughs> but um, Romans 10, verse 14 and 15 says, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how can anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. People came to Jesus because the Samaritan woman invited them. But they believed in him because of who he is. I don't know where James is at on his journey I don't know where this woman who was speaking about Alpha, I don't know where she's at on her journey, but it doesn't really matter. That, I leave that with the Lord. And there's an invitation just for us to be the ones to say, come and see. The rest is up to God. 
In verse 41, it says a lot more people entrusted their lives to him when they heard what he had to say. They said to the woman, we're no longer taking this on your say-so. We've heard it for ourselves and know it for sure. He's the savior of the world. The story of the woman at the well is a story of God, Jesus, talking to the one, a conversation with the one. He knew her story. He, Jesus knew her and he invited her into his story. And just like God knows your story, And when she realized who Jesus was and how she had encountered him, she simply shared her story, and many people believed. And my encouragement, really, to us all today, with Alpha starting tomorrow, is who might God be putting on your heart to encourage, to share your story with? Tonight, tomorrow, this week, 